Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And welcome, everybody. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. This is the No Church Answers Tour, and we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it around, bang. I'm not sure where you ended up, but uh, spin it around, find Texas. Southeast side of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. And we are in the Sugarland Baptist Church. We're glad you're joining us, and this is our live show. And next to me is our producer, Mr. Steve Titch. Next to him, the yeah, judge, Michael Cropper. <laughs> and next to him, Kyle Trahan. Yeah. And then uh, we have the professor, Robert Koshu, oh, on the Robert. end. Yes. And with that, we are going to jump right into the podcast. And this is a special one that we have uh the fellows have created, I guess. And this is about uh, David and Bathsheba. And we're going to go ahead and start with the first one. Uh, is Second Samuel 11, 1 through 5. I'll go ahead and read that real quick. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, Isn't that Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Then David sent messengers to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. She had purified herself from her uncleanliness. Then she went back home. The woman conceived and sent word to David, saying, I am pregnant. And that's how we're going to go ahead and kick off this podcast and start with uh, Mr. Steve Titch. Uh, thank you, Bill. Well, we're going to just oppose uh, two pieces of scripture, the one you just read, David's sin of adultery, and then uh, talk about Christ's admonition uh, about lust from that came from the Sermon on the Mount. And in that, he equates merely uh, looking with a lustful eye with the act of adultery itself, which I always thought was kind of harsh. Uh, but I think we'll, we'll, we'll look a little about how that, how that plays in. And we're also going to look at how uh, David's sin begins, and it began with lust. And then it led to a decision uh, to seek near-term gratification that was as self-destructive as much as it was unnecessary. And so we ask today, is anything really that different? Maybe we're not kings, but we're subject to the same te temptations. And I think the biggest belief we still have, which David had, is that we could get away with it. Uh, and top of that, we live on a, in a culture where, where adultery may not cost you much in terms of even professional or social capital, uh, but it carries a tremendous price in terms of one's future happiness. Uh, because it can lead to the loss of years invested in spousal and family relationships. But 
undeniably good Christian men fall. <laughs> and so we'll talk a little about that and how to protect oneself, I guess. Excellent. Michael Cropper. Yes, all of us are aware that money corrupts, mm -hmm. and we can be greedy in our desire to acquire it and how we acquire it. However, the topic which Bill and, and Steve have mentioned so far, sex and lust, also corrupt. If you're married, you, can, you must confine your sexual urges to your spouse. If you're single and you have sex, sex can be or cause uncontrollable jealousy between an ex-boyfriend or an ex-girlfriend if it happens to be the female. The, the, the situation uh, applies to both male and females. Our topic is adultery, as they said. Sex with someone other than your spouse is the modern term for it or the modern definition of it. And we picked the topic because it's so relevant today as it was several thousand years ago with David and Bathsheba. It is not uncommon for a man to trade his family, his success, and a lot of money <laughs> for a few moments of sexual <laughs> pleasure. It is cheaper to keep her. And, <laughs> and, and, and no one else. We right. got Right, right, right. right. So I like the topic because uh, as a Christian who truly appreciates God's mercy and what he has shown to me, I must confess that even when, when I was happily married, attraction for the opposite sex does not magically disappear. You have to learn to control yourself and your urges and your emotions. Bill? Excellent. Uh, Kyle Trahan, you Mr. With Pink. A, with a, Mr. Pink. That's, <laughs> I exemplify that. Um, even down to the pen, just for you as well. Um, and my wife, because she likes it. But, you know, with every decision that we make, um, you have to weigh the risk. You know, especially because I'm in insurance, that's half of what we do is weighing the risk and do I take more on this responsibility or pass that on to somebody else? Um, <clears throat> so, you know, you've, you've always got that risk versus reward. Mike, you mentioned it, you know, the few minutes of sexual pleasure, there's your reward. How much are you willing to risk? Um, you've got, you know, the good versus evil decision that you've got to make. Um, and then do you choose God versus sin? Um, it's all a checks and balances kind of a thing. So you've got to find your path and be able to, to stand firm in your decision. And if we're rooted in God and the Bible, then hopefully our feet are on the rock. What Excellent. Kyle didn't mention to you is that Kyle in his insurance sales goes into homes with people. And so I guess if anybody has the the more the opportunity to be swayed uh, to violate his marriage oh. promise to his wife, it would be Kyle. Am I, am I correct, Kyle? I think oh, you've yeah. mentioned that to us before. Well, probably 80% of my clientele is ladies. Single you know, ladies. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Widowed. Yeah. And Kyle's good looking. And so, you know. It's the makeup. It happens. Right. It's, it's <laughs> right. the makeup, apparently. Okay. All right. So. Yeah. Professor Koshu. Well, I, this is always one of those. I like the scripture and I like looking at it because if you ever look at what the actual scripture says, and I think we mentioned this before, but the words there for Bathsheba was, in, in our vernacular today, we would have said she was smoking hot. David didn't right. look and go, oh, hey, there's a pretty girl there. This was like, take your top five female that you've been around 
and put that there and go. And that's what you're looking at. So it was, you know, that's one thing. The second thing is <coughs> David sat in and settled into the lust instead of just, oh, hey, that's a pretty girl. We'll kind of talk about that as we move on. But this is one of those, one of the things that always set the Christian faith different from every other faith, in particular when it started back in the Roman times, was the way Christianity viewed sexual ethics. Sexual ethics from a Christian standpoint was always set apart and different than any other faith out there. And it's actually outside of the whole one God and all of that, it was like the second thing that set Christianity apart as part of it. And so as we move into what I call a post-Christian world, because we're definitely beyond the point where Christianity in America is not what it used to be and we don't have the cultural influence we used to have, how we address this particular issue as men comes up even more than it used to because there's not a lot of curbs and gutters put on us anymore as men. And so I think that's what's going to make this really interesting. You know, and one thing that I was going to point out was, uh, you notice it said um, in the scripture that um, while the rest of the men were going off to war and David was staying behind. So David um, was probably older because he was, wasn't going out to war. Um, but he was probably bored as well, uh, being a warrior and not going off to war. And so this is almost as if it was opportunity uh, and it presented itself to a man who, who was longing for something exciting. Yeah, this well, see, is, this that was exactly where I was gonna go with mine was because well, to, he was 58 roundabout you know, when Bathsheba, um, but one of the problems we face as men is when we're working, you know, you've always got something to go forth and do something. Now, in David's life, there was a lot of adrenaline, is what I'm going to think, because you've got wars, you know, you're overtaking all kinds of stuff. You know, from the time he was 11, there's always been some next major event, next major step in his life. You know, um, so he was anointed at 11. At age 20, he joined uh, Saul's army. At age 24, he was uh, fleeing from Saul. At age 30, he was king of Judah. At 37, he was king of Israel. You know, they defeated the Jezubites, the Philistines, the Moabites, um, the Ammonites, the Syrians. <laughs> and, you know, so there's all this adrenaline. And where do you go from there? Where do you take it when you do get a little older and you're saying well you know I just really don't want to go throw a spear anymore and <laughs> you know nice. he took that opportunity and I think he became very idle and that's when the opportunity become very vulnerable and in the story that's where David ran into well, his hardships and, and if you remember back when we first did this we this was back a couple of years ago we did this podcast on this particular subject we've kind of married this into others but the other part of it is right before this was the first time God had ever told David no to something. He had asked to build the temple. And so when he asked to build the temple, you know, first of all, he goes, he goes to his buddy, Nathan the prophet, and says, I want to build the temple. And Nathan said, that's a great idea, king. 
Nathan gets a vision from God and goes to God, goes back to David and says, mm, God says no, actually, on that one. So I think that plays into it, too. In addition to being bored, now I've got, okay, so now I have reached the end. Because well, God has finally he's said He's in no the middle of a, a transition. Yes. And I think, and that's, and, and vulnerability is, is for, especially for men, I think, comes at a point where you're trying to figure out what to do next. Either you, you're changing jobs or you've, you've retired or in, in some cases, and, and you're trying, you need to find something else to do. Channel that energy. And yeah. uh, that's where this takes hold. And, and, it, it, and that's, I always said this is a self-destructive decision because he's had wives and concubines and here he is looking for literally something new. And it's the first thing he sees. And he says, I'm going for Bathsheba because I, I can and I really have nothing better to do. I think pride also walks in there. If you look at the, the battle which uh, Kyle talked about in the prior chapter, right at the end of the chapter, David and Joab conquer Syria, which is a gigantic empire. Uh, they kill 40,000 soldiers from the Syrians. They, uh, they kill 700 charioteers and they literally come back with gold, silver, thousands of cattle, thousands of lambs, thousands of goats, uh, thousands of uh, just everything, maybe donkeys also. And David, at this point, sends Joab, you, what you have, you have the original battle with Ammon, then you have the battle where Ammon calls Syria in, and then you have David going out with Joab and defeating the Syrians. So it turns out to be a separate battle. If you folks look at this, very interesting. And the, the battle with Syria is just huge. And then they come back and bring all this loot and all these things that they have acquired, and David sends Joab back out to finish off Ammon that started the war. It's a very interesting setup. So I think boredom, I think um, unhappy with the situation, or at this point, he's happy. And what happens before you fall? Pride. I think at this, that was one of the final things that came into this, and for whatever reason, he's walking around on the rooftop going, I have done so much for the Lord. I have conquered so many things, Goliath, everything, the many battles that, that Kyle mentioned, and uh, that's when you get weak. Right, guys, I don't know if it's for you, but when I have a mountaintop experience, I've got to be prepared for going downhill after that. Mm -hmm. it, it, yep. And I've learned that in my age. I didn't mm -hmm. know that at first when I, when I accepted the Lord. But usually after you have a mountaintop experience, which David had, you better be aware and you better have your eyes open. But then, but then you look at the consequences this led to. Well, the oh, just yes. spirals yes. out of control. And you better keep um, that in mind. And and that's really part of this. I mean, we, we I don't think we have time to go go into all of it. We talked about this in as no. as you mentioned in podcast one ten and one eleven. We, we we talked about the action and its consequences. But yeah, it, it's it leads. You know, this act of lust becomes adultery, which then becomes a, an attempted cover up, uh, which then becomes murder, and then it. The, it haunts them down through the generations. Uh, now, it's interesting that that uh, David writes us a, a, a psalm of of confession about this, Psalm fifty-one, and perhaps you know he, apparently he is forgiven by God, but the consequences do rain down, and that 
I think connects to what happens a lot to, as you said, at the end of any extramarital affair, you might get lucky and be forgiven, but there are consequences that rain down, and, and, and they range from you know ending the marriage itself to a, a long, uh, a, 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 a necessary and long repair of the trust that's been damaged. Well, as, and as we've talked about many times on this podcast, um, we don't exactly know what spoke in the wheel we are. Um, I know in my own faith journey, um, my dad, my grandparents uh, played a big part in that, um, but they never thought that it would come to this, what I've been able to do and through this church and everything. It was the example that they set. Uh, and, and that example can be a good example. That example can be a bad example as well. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our first break. Uh, this is Man Up. We are doing podcast number 212, and we will be right back. Hey, pastors and church leaders, are you looking to create an exciting program that will attract, engage, and inspire men in your congregation? Book a live Man Up Spiritual Oasis podcast for your next men's ministry event. Called authentic, gritty, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been delighting podcast listeners since 2017. We're not pastors, just regular guys willing to talk about scripture and how we can apply it to our personal faith journeys. Man Up is a refreshing alternative to predictable motivational speakers, offering your audience a chance to connect with everyday Christian men who don't settle for routine Sunday school answers. Interested in learning more? Visit man-upspiritualoasis.com or contact Bill Cox at liveshow at manupmedia.org. And now, back to the fellows of Man Up. All right, and then now we're back from uh, our first break, the podcast number 212. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast and we are doing it live and we are uh going to we are talking about david and Bathsheba, and of course on this particular podcast we're talking about uh adultery and how sex is commercialized trivialized commoditized and i'm going to go ahead and read from matthew 5 27 to 28 you have heard it was said do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better to lose one part of the body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. All right. <laughs> and I'm going to go ahead and uh, start with Mr. Steve Titch. Well, like I said earlier, this sounds rather harsh, and maybe it's one some people have problems with uh, with this part of the Sermon on the Mount, with this part of Christianity, because you're probably saying, uh, "Well, you know, I'm always, you know, I always kind of look a girl up and down every now and then, and does that mean I've actually slept with her?" To to channel it, you know, over the centuries, I think one big takeaway of this, and maybe. Uh, it is a little controversial, but we have objectification being addressed here. I'm looking at that female, that person, that individual who was created in the image of God and purely seeing her as a sex object, which sounds incredibly modern, but I think it applies here. 
Um, we're also seeing, in some ways, the, the nature of the law uh, that uh, how difficult it is to escape sin. At the same time, you look at other parts of Scripture, and despite, you might say, Jesus making this emphatic statement in the Sermon on the Mount, sins of the flesh are the ones he's perhaps the quickest to forgive. Uh, that, uh, that we see throughout Scripture there are much deeper sins of the soul that uh, may be plaguing uh, the rest of humanity. He goes after hypocrisy, certainly, a lot. He goes after injustice. Uh, however, he doesn't really get angry at the woman at the well. He actually protects a prostitute from being stoned by pointing the finger at the men. So it's interesting to see both a kind of a hard line, but also a bit of compassion combined here. Yeah. Well, and, and I want to talk about the phrase, Bill, because when we, when we did 126, uh, we dealt with the actual Thou Shalt Not Commit Adultery podcast. And so we actually mm -hmm. dealt with that. And so I want to talk about, because I think today's world, we have, Bill said, we've commercialized sex because sex sells. So we've commercialized it day in, day and out. At the same time, we've trivialized it because you, we have said you can look at whoever you want to look at. You can have sex with whoever you want to have sex with. And outside of having sex with somebody who's married to somebody else, and even in certain situations, that can even be, be viewed as okay, you know, we've trivialized it. <coughs> we, we have made sex be a physical function when it's way more than that according to the Bible and scripture and then finally we commoditized it because we made it something that can get you something else and the problem is when we do that what we've done is we've done all of that but then we've also told every man in the world and we're going to talk about this when we do our scenarios that well you can't look at a girl you can't talk to a girl I know guys who have personally been written up at work so Training means I'm in the HR field, and I have no idea why. I never intended to be in HR in my entire life. But I know guys who have been written up because they did something that I've done and probably a lot of our listeners, if you're over the age of 30, have done at least once in your office. You've looked at a girl and said, oh, you got your hair cut. That looks real nice. And, and you know, and that girl took offense, went to HR, and it wasn't a bad conversation, but it was still – I got to go meet with HR now and deal with it. And so what we've created in society is we've created a real cognitive dissonance within men because they've been told on one level, go do whatever you want with whoever you want. But at the same time, we've also told them don't do anything because you can get in trouble at, at it for it. And so it's really created, there's no boundaries, there's no ethics. And it's hilarious because when we've talked about this, we've talked about Me Too and some other pieces, and what everyone is looking for with all of those different setups is they're looking for a, a sexual ethic, when in reality, Scripture gave us a sexual ethic. We just totally ignored it, and now we're trying to say, hey, I've got to have one, but oh, we can't mention religion, though, as we talk about it. <laughs> well, actually, I'll, I'll quickly say what yeah. I find – what I find actually a bit positive about the Me Too movement is exactly that. It's looking to create a boundary. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. A woman yeah. wants yeah. to be able to come to work and not be hit on. She wants to say, sex does not belong here. And the Bible specifically puts boundaries around sex. It doesn't say sex is bad. It says sex is wonderful. God created it, but it has, certain, it has a certain place. Uh, that's what Me Too is. That, you know, guys, I'm here to do a job. I expect to be respected as a professional. Yeah, yeah. When we look at commercials, yeah. And, and, and guys, all of you know that. Did you finish? Yeah. Folks, y'all know you can open a magazine yeah, that's too. technology and have a woman who's very attractive holding up a hard drive trying to sell it to you. You know, when it's in everything. Uh, I, I, it is commercialized. And uh, Christians, as I mentioned earlier, Christians struggle with sexual temptations too. And I just want to tell you, that's normal. Guys, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what I, I found great about our class, what Man Up class, was Bill and I could share something, when, and then Kyle jumped, joined us a short time after we started, and we could say, you know what, I struggle with this, and we could look at each other and say, you know what, this is normal. We just have to do, deal with our compassions, we have to deal with our desires, and we have to control them when the time is there to control it. Um, there are folks. If you if you go on the internet, this this is probably the worst thing that's happened to us today is the internet because now you can make a click or two and see anything you want, pornography, everything you want. It's readily available for you. You don't have to pay for it. It's free, and the temptation is there uh, for us to look at that. And you have to control your urges. And and it, it, unfortunately, as we get older, that's when we develop our strength to stop it. Uh, the young people deal with it. Uh, all the time. In fact, some st statistics say that 11-year-olds first get their opportunity to look at porn, and then, and then the, uh, the the websites that we offer today. I'll have to find that. But anyway, the websites we offer today, you can go and you can find encouragement to cheat on your marriage. Cheat in your marriage. You have you have websites for swingers. That's two different married couples switching partners. You have a fair website, you have porn, and all these in, in the swinger websites and the affair websites, they tell you they will help you keep it a secret <laughs> from your spouse. If you, if you look at their websites and you get involved with the women they provide for you, of course, you do have to pay a fee for that. And you can... <laughs> oh, pay, you, you pay <laughs> extra, Mike? Not, not just Is that what you do? <laughs> you pay extra? Well, well, and, 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 and I'm going to jump in, Mike, super yeah. quick. Has, has a recovering youth minister, mm -hmm. I, I still come up here on the third floor periodically and teach, um, but it's even worse than just the Internet because... The device I told everybody to hold on to and we're going to use later, it actually gave you the capability to go do all of everything we just talked about, like this. Mm -hmm. I can right. sit there and do it late at night. Mm -hmm. I can sit there and do it. I can sit on the couch and do it with my wife there and her not even know I'm no, doing, no, you're doing it. Because it's so there. And, and the device, it create, there's a lot of studies now showing dopamine hits not only from porn but from devices period that are that read just like an addiction so and how do you so how do you navigate this this is i guess the key yeah. question we're, 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 we're in a society where pretty much this is everywhere uh it's in some cases seen as okay 
Um, so, so you're, how do you, how do you, how do you keep yourself apart from this, even though it's very difficult to do? Well, one word, and it's a word nobody wants to hear, and it's called discipline. Yep. And, and, the, and the thing about it is. What's, you, you what's that? <laughs> yeah, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's, that's right. Exercising your faith muscle, sir. Exercise your face you muscle. But the thing about it is, as when you're a parent, you put up these rails of discipline for your children. For example, when my child, uh, I told him no, not to run out in the street. He was about three years old. He did anyway. Thank goodness uh, he wasn't hit by a car, but he was disciplined immediately, so he will not do it again. However, when as, uh, as we age and get older, you are not disciplined by your parents uh, the same way when you get into adolescence and you're uh, uh, have all the, the porn and all the other stuff. That takes a self-discipline. And there is no value placed on people having self-discipline. Well, but it's true. And, and, with, and I, that's why what you're explaining, why I buzzed. Because all this concern ends when you're, ends in teenage years. We do this, you know, we, we hit this in, in youth studies. I, I, but what I about, what about the 30-year-old guy? We were doing it this year. What, what about <laughs> the 40-year-old guy? What about the married guy? I'm, you know, this. Once, once you're, once you're out of the teenage years, and you know you're 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 out of the house, your kids, your your parents aren't watching what you're doing on the internet. No more filters. You're 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 an adult. And uh, do we? I mean, I'll I'll put, do we? We 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 instill the discipline in our kids. I know this is going to come up in, in scenarios, but do we do we prepare them actually to be young men or? Do they get out of youth camp, youth youth ministry at 18, and is it, I'm free? So, <laughs> well, each like going he off to college. me again. <laughs> so, so I, I will honestly say there has been, in the 90s and early 2000s, there was a group, there was a purity movement that hit on. And the purity movement did, in my mind, it had a noble goal that got warped and messed around with and because it, it went from the goal was we want to keep our young teenagers mm -hmm. from having sex okay that's what the goal was it went from we want you to maintain pure to you can't even really date unless you know you're going to and we're, we're going to call it courting and there were some extremes on that end with it and it it went bad like very bad to the point that there's a huge group. Go look them up. I don't know if Davey's heard of them. I'm thinking you have, Davey. The Exvangelical hashtag. And they are, most of them are rebelling against what they viewed as purity culture in the church and how it, quote, unquote, damaged them because we took it so far to the other end. And to me, they're very dangerous because they are, throwing the baby out with the bathwater, and they have just enough that they talk about that I think they're going to lead a ton of, of the millennial group astray, actually. But back to our mm -hmm. subject, this one in particular, it, it, it's, it's about setting the boundaries and making sure they understand the boundaries, but it's not about making sure they know the rules. 
it's about making sure they know, in my mind, what the boundaries are, but then taking their faith, you know, and that's what I kind of joked with Bill about exercising your faith muscle. How do you set up where you know what your rules are? Kyle, what was it Bill Perkins' book? Mm-hmm. Talked about he went out, go ahead, what was the, the whole story? I can't remember exactly. The six, From the six battles, yeah. uh, every man must win. There was a, you're talking about the pastor yeah. in the window. Yep. <clears throat> so there was a, a guy that uh, went downstairs, maybe it was to get a glass of water or whatever, um, and he was taking a while to come back to bed. And so when he got back to his bed, um, his wife asked, you know, hey, what took you so long? And he actually fessed up and said, well, when I went downstairs and I walked by the window, their curtains were open. I was able to look out across the way. The neighbor had her granddaughter or whatever was staying with her that was getting undressed in front of the window. And so he stopped and stared and partook as long as he wanted there. And then finally said, oh, my God, what am I doing? And peeled himself away and went back to bed. Um, And then, like I said, fessed up to his wife. Um, which was a big moment of strength. I'll give him that. Um, And then the next day, um, I actually went to the neighbor and said, hey, you need to make sure and draw your blinds uh, because apparently your young lady there likes to get undressed in front of the window. Um, And so, you know, that's finding the strength when you're weak is a lot of the key, you know. Um, to be able to tear yourself away, even when you find yourself there, to be able to say, this is not what I should be doing. Um, You know, a lot of the problem that I find now is that everything is desensitizing us for the next phase. Um, I'm looking around at some of you guys, some of those shows y'all started watching. They didn't do anything like what you see on TV today. It was usually clean, wholesome, family, joking, music, something like that. Today, they intentionally write in the F word just to bleep it out. But you know what they're saying. There's no doubt in your mind what that person just said, big bleep or not. Um, and the same thing goes on and on, whether it's um, you know sex or um, infidelity in the marriage, uh, same sex togetherness and everything else they're just pushing that envelope so they can bring you the next little thing and once you get used to that one they'll push it one step further Uh, we're getting we're getting ready to close off this segment and get into one where we're going to have scenarios and we're going to let you guys chime in and and give your no church answer too um one thing that i wanted to uh to bring up is the fact that and and this is helps man up in its ministry is the fact that there we are living so long and we are going through so many chapters of our lives our parents uh your dad probably worked one possibly two jobs uh for his whole 30 or 40 year working career Um, and then maybe retired and had a few years of retirement. Uh, We are to the point in our lives where we may actually live more years after 50 than before 50. And so that brings in a whole uh, another section of 
chapters in a person's life where uh, having one spouse or being divorced and having a, a, a couple of different spouses, being widowed, going through that. So it brings in a whole, um, a whole lot of other variables that they probably didn't even have to uh, address years ago. So, uh, and with that, we're going to go ahead and take our uh, second break and get ready for the uh, scenarios. You are listening to the Man Up Podcast, spiritual oasis for men. Just like any muscle, we feel the faith muscle must be exercised. And here we do it real authentic, the Man Up way. Not pastors, just regular guys, each on a unique spiritual journey. Thanks for joining us. Deep questions and discussions you won't hear anywhere else, especially in today's climate. Missed an episode? They are archived. Free for you to select on SoundCloud. We come to you from the Man Up Studios at Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Houston, Texas, in the United States. Have a question or comment, or want to book a speaker or group and have Man Up come to you? Contact us on our Facebook page, Gigmasters, or WMA Cox at Comcast.net. And now, back to fellows of Man Up. All right. And with that, uh, we've got some hypothetical scenarios uh, that have been written. And when you hear the detail that they've been written, I'm not sure how hypothetical they are. But uh, go ahead and, uh, Steve, why don't you go ahead and take the first one. Okay. Okay. Your son or daughter has just finished his or her second year at the University of Houston. Robert. You're paying tuition but he or she lives at home he or she has been dating his boyfriend or girlfriend for four years since high school they're the same age she attends HBU and also lives with her parents both are deans list both are committed Christians and they've been active in the church participating in youth and young adult groups and projects such as D now mission trips and they have remained celibate their plan was to get married after they finished college, but now they are, quote, tired of waiting and want to get married now. So they want to know, your son or daughter wants to know, if, along with tuition, you will now provide their household living expenses for both of them until they, at least they graduate and have jobs. So we've got some choices here. One, agree to support them and hope for maybe similar buy-in from his girlfriend's parents, uh, but support them nonetheless. Two, you've often said a fundamental rule for success in life is school, marriage, and children, in that order. Agree to pay for school until graduation, but otherwise, don't ask, don't tell. Or three, cool the relationship. Offer to pay for a semester abroad arrange an internship in another city or something similar that will get them away from each other for an extended time just to see how they handle that. So once you go in, you may have to click submit to go <laughs> submit your vote. So <laughs> yeah, you know, and the <coughs> Steve didn't read the last sentence of uh, <laughs> three, which says, while it's somewhat manipulative, <laughs> 
it and in the end removes the temptation of sex and ends premature marriage talk. So, okay. Really? Let's take a while for the votes to tab? Yeah. So, number three. Okay. Your relationship. I would have actually voted for number four. Which yeah, right. <laughs> number number four <laughs> was not an option. We'll get some. Um, you know, so I, I think I said it already that I didn't have kids. So, um, you know, you want to go and get married, more power to you. But you just became a full fledged adult. Your college is now on your own. Um, I never had anybody pay for my college. Um, neither even the military because they got my money from that one too. So, you know, I'm I'm kind of a hard line on that one. That, I don't know if I would have offered to pay for their college to begin with. Um, now, that may have changed if I was an actual parent. Um, but, you know, the way I see it, you wouldn't have been at college on my dime anyway. Get out there and make your life and get out there and work hard, which hopefully I've already instilled that in you. And you're going to find a way to make it in college if you want to go that route. I, myself, I didn't choose to go that route. And I'm still successful in this world. As You know, I know a lot of people that – uh, took that same path and didn't go to college and were still able to succeed. So, Well, this is one of the convicting things about faith in the fact that I've been on the faith journey my whole life, never really had a eureka moment. However, I was the one that forced, my, told my wife um, that I was not going to marry her uh, until we lived together. Um, as a matter of fact, and her dad even challenged me on that. And my reasoning was that I wanted to make sure that she would be able to handle my habits and I would be able to handle hers. And I, and I still feel that that's a fairly responsible uh, way of looking at it um, when you're trying to manage a relationship. And, and I think, I think, you know, we're in this, uh, we're talking about sex and adultery and stuff, but understand in the context, it is a relationship and, and each one is different. And the relationship of, of these young adults is that they're uh, in a, essentially a finishing school they're, they're finishing up their last few years before they take their next step to become a family and uh, progress on with their careers. So I, as a parent, um, I, I, I pay for my, my kids' uh, education, even if, even if they were going to uh, live together. I would, I would still pay that. And so you're uh, going to make the jump, okay? Yeah, Steve? I'll, 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 oh, go, I'll go ahead and me. I'll go ahead and buzz myself because <laughs> I know that's not a church answer, but that's a real that's a real life answer, and that's what I did. But, but that's kind of the nub of it, and I'm going to be sympathetic because I tend to agree with you. Um, but you know, you look you look in Scripture. My note is First Corinthians seven uh, nine. That's the it is better to marry than burn with passion. Uh, we I. I it's it's not it's it's difficult because it I think there's a you're going very practical there and I'm not I'm not criticizing that I'm just saying that because I would vote number two or maybe number three maybe I'll go for number three to cool the relationship because still 
if you're if you're in your third year of college, you're about 20. That's a that's a really young age to get married, Christian Christian or not. Go around, see you're, you. The two of you are still trying to figure out what your goals in life are. Let alone you, if they can manage those goals together. Uh, a couple of I guess it was only last Sunday. Uh, Pastor Taylor gave a, a gave a sermon. He talked about opportunity cost and. When they get married, there's an opportunity cost. And that opportunity is not, not just leaving behind others. It's perhaps going to affect any professional decisions they can make down the line. And are they ready to, sa is, is, are, is one ready to sacrifice something truly big in their life that they want to do, a true dream for that? And they don't know that yet. So I vote number three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaning toward number two, uh, folks. Uh, first of all, if, you, if your parents even pay part of your college tuition, you're getting a blessing. And they're not respecting that. If they're going, if they're gutsy enough to say, hey, how about paying for my room and board, my apartment as well, so we can get married and live together, uh, you miss somewhere teaching them about the importance of money and the value of money. Uh, my parents paid for part of mine, I paid for part of mine, and I worked part-time to do it. And that's where I'm leaning with it. I would say if, if you guys truly cannot wait, and I would ask them why, I would sit them down both and say, Was it, what is it you truly cannot wait on? I mean, is it, is it truly sex, or is it you just believe the Lord has called you to be together? Because there, there could be other conditions you don't know about. It could not, it may not be purely sex and the desire or the lust for it between the couple. But I would ask him, then I would say, look, uh, if I'm paying the whole tuition, I would say, you're doing really great. Now, if one of you wants to get a job and you want to take part of the tuition I'm giving you and pay it for your, your, your apartment or wherever you want to live, you can do that. But I'm blessing you because God has blessed me and I'm able to do that. I'm helping you with the tuition. Many families cannot pay the tuition for their kids even today. So I, I think the important thing here is to say, look, uh, I, I've missed something. If, if you want me to give you more money besides the college tuition and the, uh, the money for your living expenses, I've missed some value instilled into you uh, personally for that. But I would encourage, I would encourage them to, uh, to get a, a part-time job if they can't wait sexually because that, you have taught them all their life to abstain if they can. Excellent. Uh, yeah. Scenario two, I do guess. Any, well, do we know what the uh, audience did? No, our uh, phone is not. Okay. Doesn't look like so. Any ideas, guys? I, yeah, I'm any, yeah, y'all want to On this show of hands, how many would tell them they got to cool it for a while? Send them on the internship. Oh, no one wants no. to do that. How <laughs> many? Number three? Yeah, number three. Yeah, okay. Yeah. How many yeah, think, that's number three. Yeah, how many think number two? For your answer, which help me out, that's, Steve. That's, Two that's, is that's that's we're not. Don't get married. We're, if you don't, if you're getting uh, married, I'm not paying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you're if you're not getting married, I will continue to pay. Yeah. And I have to apologize. Number two says. Y'all can have sex and not get married, it and I won't tell you anything. Yes. I apologize. I didn't read the last <laughs> three words there. I don't agree with that. Okay. I, if you're trying to be um, celibate. Yeah. and maintain mm -hmm. it for the Lord, purpose of the Lord, I would encourage them to get married or do whatever is necessary to, yep. to, uh, mm -hmm. to, to comply yep. with the Word of God and okay. what you have taught them. Yeah, I haven't changed the QR code. Okay. Okay. So, uh, yeah, and I'm, I, I lean between one and two. 
Part of me says I want to vote right, for pick one. Pick one or the other. But, yeah, yeah, well, okay, okay. Let, let, me, let, me, let me caveat this because I actually have a caveat. So, first of all, I wrote this scenario. And, and so I was at U of H living at home. If this scenario had played out in my life, I was actually dating a girl from HBU, Steve, <laughs> which was even funnier. Steve did not know that when he put that part in. Um, and she wasn't living at home. She was living in the dorm. But I don't know. This may have been a different world for me. And so that's why I kind of facilitate between the two because part of me says, no, I agree. The adult, you got to be an adult, you know, to do this. But part of me says, but if I'm going to put my money where my mouth is as a Christian parent, you know, so they're not flighty. They're very right. serious about this. And, and I think it, it's a long conversation you as a parent need to have with your kid. And I think you need to bring the other parents in. And both of y'all, and maybe the answer is if both parents agree to it and both parents agree, okay, we're paying for college, we're both going to keep paying for college, then we, we can accept that as maybe a no coincidence but a sign that God says, okay, this is good to move forward with. But it, it – I'll be the first to admit I wrote this because it was hard. <laughs> right. well, yeah, <laughs> because it was totally a hard decision. All right, and with that, we're going to go ahead and move on to okay. uh, scenario okay. two. And Steve, okay. you want to go ahead and read that? This is ripped from the headlines. This one literally <laughs> is. You have torn your Achilles tendon while playing in your softball league. You've undergone surgery. And now you've been prescribed intense physical therapy at a leading facility like Tier. Part of your physical therapy includes six weeks of massage therapy, which has been duly prescribed by your surgeon and is being covered by your insurance. The massage therapy substantially speeds your healing and reduces your pain. Your licensed massage therapist is very good, but is female. Your wife objects to this and feels massage therapy, even in a clinical setting, is too intimate to be done by a member of the opposite sex. She wants you to either see a male therapist or forgo massage therapy completely, even if it slows your rehab. What do you do? One, agree with your spouse. Massage therapy by the opposite sex is fraught with temptation. It's best to avoid, even if it means enduring a longer, more painful recovery. Two, make an appointment with your wife to meet your massage therapist, who can then give her a better understanding of the therapy's medical reasons and benefits and how it contributes to overall physical therapy. Three, assert that you have the right to choose the best health care you can get and over your wife's objections, keep seeing the massage therapist. I wrote number four, which is not officially <laughs> part of this. And that's <laughs> right. <laughs> I said offer to get your wife a, a masseur. <laughs> right, right. That's exactly right. <laughs> right, and, and, and five is buy a massage chair. <laughs> there you go, buy a massage chair. <laughs> and, and avoid that well, all. I going to help on your Achilles. Uh, we're still going three <laughs> for the, the participation. But. You know, I, I got with Mike, I'm on number four, that wasn't an option, Robert. Um, you know, my wife was actually a massage therapist at one time. Um, so that was a pretty easy one for me because it was, a, you know, not a problem. 
Um, I've had massages from both men and women. Um, so, you know, as far as the, the physical aspect of the massage, to be honest, I find women tend to be a better masseur um, than a man. I don't know why that is, but it, maybe it's trying to compensate because they're mm -hmm. smaller or something. The, uh, the one that's actually a good friend of ours, my wife used to go to massage classes with her. Um, she will hurt you. Um, <laughs> versus most men don't do it that, you know, uh, that strongly or, or whatever. Um, the other part that I just kind of wanted to throw in um, was do you go in the nude? Because with massage, you yeah, have that heel. option. It's Achilles heel. Uh, yes, yeah, that could actually nice. be. Nice. All right. You all better not intended. get to right. Um But, you know, um, you know, your massage therapist will generally ask you if you would prefer to be nude or not. Well, and you so are. Again, That's the, well, there is, this is the, the, this is the key thing. Because I kind of got two things on this. One is, one is that it's a, it's a question not so much even of adultery, but of personal boundaries for your spouse. Your spouse is telling you she, she does not want your body rubbed even by a professional person. And as we know, licensed massage therapists, there's a strict code of ethics here. Um, they will keep you covered and you know, as you've done it. And the other side of this also, um, this is a symptom of the sexualization of everything. Yes. Um, and you're, you're there for a medical reason. This is why I tend to go for with number two. Uh, and I've had I've same thing. I, my wife is cool with with it, and you know we've done you know I've been injured and and uh, there is there are sure it's been cheapened by you know the the storefront massage parlors which are fronts for prostitution. I'm not going to deny it, but there's a difference between that. And I guess my ace in the hole, dear I see, use it like that. Oh, my wife has a male gynecologist. <laughs> And uh, who's the, you know, and if you have, you know, what's the difference there? You want, and, and, <laughs> right. Um, so I think you're being unfair to a professional, but I guess yeah. I can see the reasons. I would go with number two. So, yeah. but I want to leave the, the discussion today. Oh, well, I was going to go with number two as well. And my, this is from personal experience. Uh, I've had numerous uh, hip surgeries recently. Um, however, massage has not been prescribed to me, but I would have an issue with it if it was, and my wife was not on board with it. So I would, I'm, oh, I'm just going to buzz myself <laughs> because I, I don't know, uh, I mean, if it is absolutely essential for my healing, I would have to get my wife on board with it. Well, but, I mean, the whole scenario here is the opposite sex. The easy answer, switch to a male. Yeah. It's the easy, it's the quick. Uh, okay. Your doctor wants right. it. I don't have to get a massage from a female. And if that's the whole okay. issue... Uh, you know, marriage so what is if she's good? What if, she, what if she's better than you admitted that? You yes. Have well, a, well, you don't and, know that until you've done right. it. And if my wife had a problem with it, it's that okay. compromise that we're going to have to yeah. go with in marriage. And I'm going to have to say, babe, okay. 
I'm not going to go see Kim anymore. I'm going to go see Bill. Or, well, no, I don't trust Bill. <laughs> but, you know, Dude, I'm terrible. <laughs> Paul, whoever, I'm whatever, anybody other than Bill. But, you know, if that was the scenario and it was clinically and it was helpful for you, you're going to find an alternative to not make your wife mad. What I think is funny is pretty much everybody that answered the poll went with number two. And, and I, I, I think it comes down to – I think it comes down to it's a respect for your spouse question at this point. Yeah, this is 100%. one of those marriage things that goes into the long term. How do I prevent everything and stay faithful? That's part of it is I'm having mm -hmm. that communication with my spouse. Now, my favorite yeah. one is coming now. Wait, I didn't get to answer. All right, well, answer now. <laughs> no, no, okay, real quick, yeah, folks. If the name of that massage parlor or the where he gets the therapy is Delilah's Massage, we rub you the right way. I would agree with my wife in a second, boy. I, I would not do it. Anyway, okay. Right. So How do you know him? Uh, Delilah's massage. There, well, that's, that's one. That's, that's the one Mike I goes to. The name of that massage. <laughs> yeah, right. The, right. Okay. Delilah's All right. The final. The final scenario. Okay. Oh, this this is another one we've been waiting for. Now you, as a man, quietly follow the Billy Graham rule when you travel. You're discreet around the office because you know the practice is frowned on by most HR departments as discriminatory. Now it's lunch break during the office's annual training on sexual harassment. Which, hold on, by the way, <laughs> is the most boring training you will ever attend. You should all go complain to your training department about how bad it is every year and make them change it. But they're going to make you <laughs> do it anyway. And that's coming from a train. Nonetheless, I'm you're going your in and, you're, and it's lunchtime. The conversation around your table turns to the Billy Graham rule. And someone asks you, Christian, point blank. Robert, you're a Christian. Do you follow the Billy Graham rule? So what do you say? One, yes. But to be fair to everyone, I make it a point to avoid one-on-one -on -one dinners with any staffer or client when traveling. I'll dine in groups, but any one-on-one -on -one meals will be breakfast or lunch. Two, yes, because I don't believe it's right for a man to dine alone with a woman who is not his wife. It creates the perception of infidelity, which is as bad as the actual thing. Or three, what's the Billy Graham rule? <laughs> Even if I knew the Billy Graham rule, I'd say, what is the Billy Graham rule? I, I kind of answered all three of them myself. Right. You know, um, you know, my wife and I have had that conversation. You just don't, you know. Um, you know, in my business, as you pointed out earlier, you know, I, I sit with a lot of ladies, um, you know, but outside of that, like I have a, an agent that works under me um, with my agency, and she's an extremely close friend, um, best man in her wedding. Uh, he was best man in mine. Uh, we'll go and do coffee or, you know, somewhere uh broken yolk or whatever but for a dinner concept I can't see it you know um, we go over to their house frequent for dinner or, you know join uh, at a restaurant or whatever but at night I think that what was it number two that says it yeah. uh, the the misconception uh, you know it, it can be perceived the wrong way uh, at a nighttime setting 
It's just the way the human mind works. It's like, oh, nighttime is for rain romance. Mm -hmm. So, so, so I'm going to throw a wrench in this one. Ah. <laughs> Here's my wrench. So I have predominantly, HR is predominantly a female profession. And talent development especially is predominantly female. Every boss I have worked for, with the exception of one over a 20-year talent development career, has been female. I have been at conferences where my boss and I were the only two people from our company at the conference. <laughs> and we have company policies that say senior person has to pay for all meals when traveling. So this is a good point. This is a good point because because now you're running against a po a company yep. policy. Yep. Um, so I have I have actually would I do it if a girl from the conference came up to me that I know and said, "Hey, let's go to dinner together." Mm, probably not. But if my boss and I have to go to because of that, that's kind of a. Does that make sense? So you're, what you're saying is kind of difficult. I mean, you're, you're pointing to one of the difficulties of even holding to this policy right. because of the situation. Because I'll, I'll, I'll say briefly that that, that is the most, that, is to, that for me is the most difficult area of, of temptation. Because I, my earlier lives, I've done a lot of traveling. I do a lot of traveling around the world. Um, when, you're, when, you're, when you're on assignment or you're working with, with others, you know, you're, you're at your, you know, the adrenaline is flowing. You're either working on sales deals, you're working on story deals, you're, you're, you're dressed well, you're put, you're, everything is designed to, to be you just, you know, at your peak performance. And of course, uh, nothing, you know, that gets the juices going, literatively and figuratively. And, you know, then you, after, after a big day of talking to people, of meeting, perhaps closing a sale, you're there with a female coworker or a female client and the temptation really is there. Now, in some cases, uh, in the reverse side, you can also have a professional relationship with a, another, yeah. a woman in your office. And uh, though, then, then maybe that's why it's maybe difficult to have absolutes. But go ahead. This, I, it's an interesting, I'm interested in what yeah. other people think. Yeah, I, that, and this one ended up with the 50-50 split. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, oh. 50-25, <laughs> so somebody wins the third one. Mm -hmm. Which was the yes, mm -hmm. because I don't believe it's right to dine alone. And then what's Billy Graham got one, and then you 50% other. Perception. Yeah, mm -hmm. yes, to be fair, I don't go privately one-on-one -on -one mm -hmm. with anybody from my mm -hmm. office is where the, where the group mm -hmm. ended up. So, you know, it's interesting. Excellent. And that brings us to the conclusion of the Man Up podcast. Man Up Podcast number 212. Want to get some final comments from the panel and uh, start down on the end with uh, Professor Koshu. Yeah, I, I think it's really important in a society that's commercialized, trivialized, and commoditized sex that we do set forth a different standard. And that standard really is, you know, sex where it belongs outside of and be willing to make the hard choices and I think that's where it becomes difficult because it's having that self-discipline to have those to make those choices becomes difficult and the only way we really do it is if we stand up and if we're walking in our faith daily to make it happen is like the only way to do it 
Kyle Trahan. You know, for our initial story lesson, you know, David risked a whole lot to do what he did with Bathsheba. You know, he risked his army. Um, you know, just think if they were to have revolted after the death of Uriah. You know, well, he can come after me next. Hey, my wife's hot. Right. So what if he wants my wife? Am I going to deliver my own death decree? <laughs> I, I, I can imagine just being one of his guys below him is just waiting for that hammer to fall. So, you know, he risked a whole lot. I'm sure he lost a whole lot of their respect um, and, and certainly a lot of, you know, their trust because, well, they had to go back out with him. You know, and just think anytime you walked out to battle, is it my time? He risked everything. You know, the whole kingdom could have come down around him, which ultimately it did. But right at the beginning, the infidelity, is it really, as I said before, it's risk versus reward. Is any of it worth losing everything I have right now? And normally the answer is going to be no. Excellent. Uh, Michael Cropper, take away from you. Yes, a good point, Kyle. You just made uh, the kingdom. Everything did come down to David against him. Um, he never recovered from the act of adultery in his kingdom. He lost four sons. He, uh, they rebelled. He, he had a daughter raped by one of his sons, and he never disciplined them. A great word that Bill used mm -hmm. earlier. He said, you've got to discipline yourself. Okay, and, and my point to this is, is do not let your desire control your knowledge. Deal with your eyes. You cannot hide from all the pictures and suggestive ads. You will see the rest of your life. You can avoid them if you know where they are or where they're going to be. Next, avoid sexual publications. I had a friend tell me one time back when my teenage years, he said, I read Playboy because they have great articles. <laughs> they do. I mean, <laughs> really? Okay. I'm not going to touch that with Steve here. The fight, right. fight the urge to stare at women who are dressed promiscuously. And it doesn't help in the grocery store. You guys know this. Some of them during the summer have almost nothing on. And so fight staring at them. A casual glance will not cause lust, but staring at them will begin to send images to your mind and to your imagination. <laughs> um Teenage boys say, I sure would like to do something with her. Mm -hmm. uh, you got to stop that if you hear your kids say that, if the boys or any of them st say something to you. Um, finally, perception of the other sex is generally wrong. I think uh, from when I was a teenager, I remember t being told and, and being inferred to me that, that women have the same sexual desires as men do. And boy, it took many years to figure out after I was married that they do not. They have a different type of desire, right? You guys know that. They like romance, and they don't just look at a guy and say, oh, man, that guy just turns me on. So the perception of the other sex is very, very important. So what do you do, folks? Control your eyes, as Christ said. You don't necessarily have to tear your eyes mm -hmm. out if if in fact, you lust after a woman. Just go to God and say, I'm sorry, I did that. Uh, it's, it, it is a normal something that happens. Just be aware that, that you don't have to cut off your hand if you, if you do the wrong thing with your hand. Just go to God and apologize. 
and be aware of your decisions and control and discipline your desires. All right, uh, take away from uh, you, Mr. Steve. Yes, um, I'm gonna balance that a little bit because I think you're absolutely right on all of those, but also I think uh, certainly as men, we should certainly have that discipline. At the same time toward others, we need to show compassion. I think uh, when it comes to sexual sins, I do think in some cases the church kind of in, in kind of in a reflection or a gross reflection of society gets a little too obsessed about sexual sins. I think in part because they're the easiest to identify. And certainly I'm not going to disagree with what the Bible says about it, but they're quite they're binary. You know, you, you're either committing adultery or you're not. You're either having sex but without outside marriage or you're not. So it's easy to point to someone who is and and judge them. But that's probably because of a lot of other things that, that the Lord gets into but are far, far more difficult to identify. The Bible doesn't tell us what to do about the guy who's in church whose job it is at a health insurance company to make sure it pays out as little claims as possible. The Bible doesn't tell us what to do about the guy who's a great software engineer, but he writes uh, freelance programming for racist websites. Uh, the Bible doesn't really tell us what today's equivalents of graven idols or Asherah poles are, although remember, that was the reason Israel got sent into exile. Uh, we read a lot about sexual sins in the Old Testament uh, by heroes and villains, yet it's not over their sexuality or their promiscuity they go into uh, exile. It's idolatry. It's their betrayal of God. Uh, so we got to be careful about how we, you know, treat people who do commit uh, sexual sins. Uh, purging them from our gatherings is not necessarily going to purge all sin from our church or congregation. So the Lord showed a lot of compassion for people who committed sins of the flesh. Uh, I think we should bear that in mind, even as we honor uh, the boundaries we've been given. Do you mind if I mention one thing, Bill? We should have. Only one thing. One thing, <laughs> right. One thing. <laughs> uh, folks, uh, we didn't touch on this. If, <laughs> if you've got some miscommunication or desires of, and, and the attractiveness between you and your spouse has left your marriage, rekindle that. Rekindle the desires between your spouse and you. And, and one of the ways you can do that is remember the great times you had your, your spouse uh, before, maybe before children, because those take a lot of time and a lot of stress. Remember the times with your spouse, roman romantic times that were just tremendous, and rehash those in your mind, and then seek to, to, to rekindle the love for your spouse. Buy her flowers, write her love notes, hug her, uh, tell her you love her, uh, and you can do this from a godly point of view. Remember, God thinks, number one, she's beautiful. She's made in his image, and you need to remember that sometimes because we all get older and we all get less attractive, uh, especially me. I'll say that before you do, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> nice. but anyway, view your spouse the way God views her because she truly is beautiful. Excellent, and thanks so much. And thanks so much to all of you for coming out. Uh, this is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast on behalf of uh, – our producer, Steve Titch, the judge, Michael Cropper, Professor Robert Koshu, Kyle Trahan. My name is Bill Cox. We're on the 
no church answer tour so check out the new youtube channel so whether you found us on facebook soundcloud where we archive all of our podcasts apple Podcasts, or pray.com you have a question or comment you can go to our facebook page which is man-upspiritualoasis.com and post it there um especially want to thank uh, sherline baptist church for hosting us and if you're unable to attend a church you can check out the sugarland baptist streaming service which starts sundays at 9 45 but we want to encourage each and every one of you to uh, <clears throat> join a local bible-based church why local so you'll go and find small group adult bible fellowship uh, or sunday school class where you can join in small group discussions like this and that's why we do the man up podcast and find one that is men only if there is one start one this is man up You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.